The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, reps for reps. What is she talking about? I want you to think about the gym. Reps, repetitions. Okay, let's. that's the setup. Here we go. I'm going to quote Albert Einstein right off the bat here. Education is not the learning of the facts, but the training of the mind to think. Now I'm going to give you something to think about. According to Accenture, 93% of sales executives have received no formal training on social selling. So put that together with, well, we need to train their minds to think about social selling. They need to learn the facts, but they need to have that mindset. So let's put some very key questions on the table here. How do you train your company's key departments, organizations, executives, sales reps, the list goes on and on, on social selling. But that's not enough. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You need to get them to keep on doing those reps. You knew I'd get it in there somewhere. Long enough, hard enough, consistently enough to develop what we're going to call a social selling muscle. Aha! A lot goes into that equation. So let me get started introducing our panel, and they're going to help us find the answers. First up, I'm very pleased to welcome a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. He is Gabe Villamizar, and he leads the social selling training and coaching efforts at a company called HireVue, H-I-R-E-V-U-E, all one word, capital V. It's a SaaS company that uses digital video and predictive analytics to build and coach the world's best teams. Aha. And here's the quote Gabe sent me, an inspiration quote, stick to your task till it sticks to you. Beginners are many, but enders are few. Oh, we love a poem. We don't usually get rhymes here, Gabe. And Gabe got this quote, or I found the quote reference of Thomas S. Monson, who is the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. He's been the president since 2008. Gabe via Mizar. How are you, Gabe? I am really well this morning. Thanks for asking. Well, we're happy to have you here, and we are feeling well that you're here. Talk to me. Very interesting quote. We're talking about getting your salespeople up and running and then getting them to build what I think we're going to coin that phrase. Maybe somebody will copyright it, social selling <laughs> muscle. Gabe, talk to me. What does this really mean? Yeah, so I've been you know, coaching and training on social selling over the past three years, and it seems to me that everybody uh, lately loves to jump on social selling and love the concept. Obviously, there's our naysayers, but, but the majority right now in the B2B software space, um, in, in regards to setters and closers and, and 
people in that department. They all love to hear about it. They all, love, they all want to jump on the social selling bandwagon. And it's very easy to do that if you think about it. All you got to do is just try and you get, you get them excited and they come on board and bam. And, and, but that, that's just not enough. That's not going to cut it. If you really want to um, drive revenue, increase results, set more appointments, close more deals, then you have to go through obstacles. You have to go and kill it. And then the people who end, right, it doesn't matter if you're first or last, as long as you finish the social selling race, you win and close more deals. I loved your uh, that fight uh, fight statement you just made. You have to kill it. I, I didn't expect to hear something that strong, and that's important. It, let me ask you, Gabe: Is this something that the people in charge of building a program? And by the way, our topic today—it's a big topic: your social selling program training and enablement. And those are the two steps: teach them and then get it ingrained. So the question is. Whose job is it to make sure that they kill it? Are there going to be some natural killers? And that goes a little bit to a quote we're going to hear from our next panelist in just a minute. This is a very, very good natural segue here. Gabe, whose responsibility is to make sure that they kill it, that they really do it and learn it and practice it? Where does that energy come from? So that energy initially should come from the executive team at the organization. They obviously need to understand that there's going to be time allocated to social selling training, not just training, but also coaching, that one-on-one, face-to-face, or virtual time that you might have with your reps. But in the end, it's going to be a mix of marketing and sales. So I come with a sales background. I've been doing sales um, before coming as a social selling trainer and uh, coach here at Hireview and before uh, this at InsideSales.com. I used to be an Inside Sales rep for four years. And uh, I have a very, very good understanding of, of sales, I have a very good understanding of social media and also a good understanding of marketing. So I'm in the marketing department, but I'm in the trenches with our sales reps on a day-to-day basis. I'm with them showing demos. I'm with them in sales enablement call. So I would say, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's just marketing's um, responsibility or it's just sales. It's somebody that needs to have a clear understanding and needs to be in constant communication with the executive team, but also with those top sales reps, middle reps, and low reps who are all know the customer and the prospect better than anybody else does. Thank you, Gabe. I'm going to put you on the spot. One more question before we move on. Yeah. Do you have any favorites, your best students? When you're doing this social selling training, who are your best students? Are they, uh, I'm going to obviously ask, are they millennials? I assume you are, or maybe even you're younger. Yes, correct. Uh, are, who are they? Who are they? Is, is there a gender bias to the better students? Is there an age or what we call a demographic cohort bias to who is going to succeed and get it and kill it? Oh, I love that. Kill it better and faster. What do you see, Gabe? Well, you see that the millennials grew up with social media. So to, to a degree, they're, they've been social selling whether they knew it or not. But the demographic that does the best, from my experience, it's the people with the Gen X and baby boomers because they want to still be the best. They feel somewhat uh, concerned like, oh, by 2020 or 2025 statistic that over 50% or 75% of the workforce is going to be occupied by millennials. Well, they have to change what they're doing. They have to change and slowly change or rapidly change the way they've done sales because the buying process is changing. So they're the ones who seem to adopt the fastest. And they might, And a lot of them straight up tell me, Gabe, I have no idea what Twitter is. Gabe, I have no idea what LinkedIn is. But they're willing to change so fast because they want to constantly keep winning. Sales reps just have this attitude of competition. They want to be the best. 
and I love it. I mean, if they don't have that attitude, then they shouldn't be in sales. But um, the baby boomers and the Gen X just seem to just absorb it and, like, to continue to be the best. Thank you. Good overview. I appreciate that. Thank you for indulging my questions, Gabe. And let's move on to yeah. our second panelist. And his quote is just so perfect as a segue from Gabe. It's Sean Robertson. He's the Global Vice President of Management Excellence Social Selling, there's our keyword, and eCenter Optimization for SAP's fastest growing RTM. And Sean sent me a wonderful quote from Christopher McDougall. If you're wondering who is McDougall, by the way, McDougall has two L's on the end. He's an American author and journalist, best known for his 2009 best-selling book, Born to Run, A Hidden Tribe. He also wrote Super Athletes and The Greatest Race the World Has Never Seen. And here's the quote. Listen up, everyone. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up knowing it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up knowing it must run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve. Whether you're the lion or a gazelle, when the sun comes up, you'd better be running. Sean Robertson, <laughs> I, I just adore this quote. I wish it was shorter so I could put it on a wall or crochet it on a pillow. How are you, Sean Robertson? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Delighted to have you. Talk to me. Are you a big fan or a reader of Christopher McDougall? How did you find this quote? It's so interesting that it comes right on the heels, literally and figuratively, of what Gabe shared with us. Go ahead, Sean. Talk to me. Yeah, well, I, I saw it in an in a inspirational poster probably, gosh, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago. And I think uh, when I was young and starting out or, or younger, starting out in business, uh, to me, it was like this barbaric metaphor for how business is. Uh, but really, as I've gotten older, I, I see this quote differently in that whether you're a type A personality or a type B personality or whether you're in sales or you're enabling or uh, whatever function you are in an organization, everyone is equally important. And for an organization to thrive, you can't have the have and have not. Everyone has to contribute. Everyone has to wake up. Everyone has to run. And when you have that kind of organization, that whether you're the apex predator or whether you're supporting uh, that, that animal, that you have a sense of ownership and a sense that you all have what, what I call shared anxiety uh, about results and performance and uh, doing your best job, then I think you have a company that strives. I think when you focus on either the gazelle or the lion, uh, speaking metaphorically about, uh, you know, the, the revenue collectors or the people who support those individuals, then I think you have division. But when you act as one, I think you have something special. Thank you. Very interesting, Sean. And uh, I'm so glad you brought this quote to us. It's lyrical. It's lovely. We did get a little bit of a rhyme from Gabe, and now we have a very lyrical uh, prose piece from you. Do you want to make any comments about what Gabe shared in terms of who seems to do best in social selling training as far as different demographic groups? Any comments? Any observations from you? Uh, well, I think uh, millennials, it's more natural. Uh, so I think conceptually they grab it, but actually what I've seen is it, when at the, it's either the younger end of the spectrum or the older end, because I think the older end of the spectrum almost has this kind of chip on their shoulder where uh, they want to pour more time in it, and they take it 
uh, not necessarily as just a form of communication, but it becomes an actual project for them that they work on themselves to stay relevant. And so I've seen some of our best social sellers uh, on both ends of that spectrum. I think the tricky one is the people in the middle uh, because mm-hmm. they, they haven't been around long enough that, they, that they're worried about uh, the, the same worries as the older end of the spectrum, uh, but they've, they've been around long enough to have some, uh, some habits where they feel like they're pretty good already and maybe don't need to take on uh, something new. So I would say the, the front end and the back end of the age spectrum tend to be what I've seen as the most uh, productive. Thank you very much. Appreciate that point of view. Thank you, Sean, and welcome. And we have a lot more coming from you during the show. And let's bring on our third panelist. Well, of course, it's Kirsten Boylow. This is her series she sponsors. She's the director of Digital Startup, excuse me, Kirsten, leading the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. And Kirsten has sent us a quote from Confucius. Kirsten, this may be Confucius's first time on Game Changers Radio. I'm not sure. But anybody who's maybe anybody who's scratching their head and feeling confused about the name Confucius he actually has birth dates I found them on Wikipedia I can't believe this September 28th 551 to 479 BC really somebody knows he was born on September well send him a birthday card Confucius was a Chinese teacher editor politician and philosopher of the spring and autumn period of Chinese history. And I'll leave the rest of the history to anybody who wants to look. Go look him up, C-O-N-F-U-C-I-U-S. And here's the quote. What I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. How beautiful. We have such wonderful, prosy pieces, memorable quotes today. Kirsten, welcome. How are you today? I am very well. It's beautiful here in Canada, so I'm enjoying the sunshine. And it's beautiful here on Long Island, New York. It's one of those glorious, sunny, blue skies, trees kind of turning colors and changing and just blowing a little tiny bit in a gentle breeze. I think we should all just cancel the show and go outside and have a good time. (laughs) Hold hands and sing Kumbaya and talk about social selling. But we're not going to. Kirsten, tell me, are you a follower of Confucius? How did this quote come through you to our show today? I was, uh, re- I'm really interested in how people, you know, learn and understanding the best way to get particularly the social selling message across and how are we going to impact people to make the most difference in their own uh, daily lives. And I came across this quote from Confucius and I just thought that's perfect because, you know, it really speaks to the way that we're building our social selling program here at SAP where um, we do have the, you know, the, the visual e-learning sessions, but we, you know, we really try to focus in on that face-to-face workshop type um, materials and, and sessions where the, the, the reps actually get to put their hands to their laptops and make changes in their profiles and um, build themselves, uh, you know, listening um, lists of, on Twitter and that kind of thing and really actually have some hands-on experience with the platforms and um, see the difference that, that social selling can make in their everyday lives. And so I really felt that it was very, very applicable to what we're trying to build here at SAP. Perfect. I love it. And, and Kirsten, we've got some information, some cohort demographics, uh, age group 
information on who's doing best on social selling tra- training and enablement from Gabe, and we got comments from Sean Robins- Robertson. Any comments from you? Any thoughts? Because you do a lot of training, and I know you you have done the past two weeks of training Tuesdays at SAP to help all of our marketing pals get on board and understand what social selling really is, and there were some great questions in the chat room I saw. So what do you think? Who is best at this? Who will learn it the fastest? Kirsten? I think I'd have to to agree with Sean, honestly. Um, the younger ones, they get it. Now, they get it from a, a um, from a personal standpoint, and so there's there's some coaching that needs to happen to help them understand it from a um, a business perspective. You know, they view social media as a way to connect with their friends, to to talk to people, to blend. You know, where they're going to go that night. Um, they don't see it from a business perspective to to engage and grow relationships and that kind of thing. Um, at the far end of the spectrum, Sean's very right in that it. You know, they are looking for ways to stay relevant. They are looking for ways to extend their career, knowing that. Um, and knowing that they're going to have to adopt new technologies. But at the same time, that, that middle group, uh, they really struggle with it. They don't, they, they're having success. They don't necessarily see the need for it at the moment. Um, and I think that they're going, to, they're going to be the ones that we're going to really struggle with, and, but also are going to be the ones that um, are going to have a real wake-up call in a few years' time. Thank you very much. Very well put, as always. And let me circle back to Gabe via Mizar. I have that all written out, Gabe. And Gabe, I'm going to ask you a very personal question, but I know you're ready for it. What's in your cup today? Tell me something interesting you're drinking, or what are you planning to drink after the show? And where are you calling from? Yeah, I'm calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. It's 28 degrees, a little bit chilly. Um, So I am drinking from the Jamba Juice secret menu. Strawberry Dreamin' with Energy Boost. Secret menu. You have my uh, curiosity. How can it be secret if you just told uh, a couple thousand people about it on the radio? Talk to me. Yeah, so it's a secret menu, meaning that it's not on the menu, uh, on the display menu when you walk into any Jamba Juice. Like, apparently they discontinued or they don't display that. So if you go to the cashier and you say, I want a Strawberry Dreamin', she she pulls a little side menu next to the register. And they're like, oh, okay, that's what it is. And she makes it. I don't even, I don't really know what's in it, but it's just. Wow. Well, well, obviously, so. The secret is out. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now we all know Sean Robertson and Kirsten, are we going to go take a plane and go join Gabe and get that secret strawberry drink? I don't know. Sean, where where do you want, what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm in uh, sunny Arizona, uh, having to uh, once again shovel sunshine off my driveway. And uh, I think the, the drink I'm actually drinking, my wife uh, created. Uh, there was a show uh, that Silicon Valley is having a big explosion with these uh, these things called neurotropics. Uh, so mm. basically, brain hacking and trying to get an edge by becoming more intelligent or, or getting the most out of uh, your current brain power. So I mentioned this to my wife and her being. Uh, the amazing uh, person she has turned to me and said, no way are you taking anything. So she did a bunch of research <laughs> and found out uh, all kinds of uh, foods uh, that actually affect the brain power. Uh, and so she, she makes this uh, drink every morning. It's like green juice mixed with, has almonds and walnuts and pumpkin seeds and you name it in this Vitamix and makes me drink it. And uh, sure enough, you know, you feel, uh, you feel a buzz. But uh, more importantly, uh, she found her own brain hack uh, a natural way, so I support her. 
So that's, that's what, what I'm drinking. Very interesting. What does it taste like? And is it called neurotropics? Was that the word you used? Or neurotropics? No, 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 no. Well, neurotropics are these, they, they call them quote unquote smart drugs. It's, uh, right. people are take, it's like limitless. Um, but what <laughs> she did is she just looked up, you know, nutritional information and, and found, uh, you know, found things that, that actually help, uh, increase, uh, cognitive function. So, it tastes like a little bit of a, a berry because there's blueberries and raspberries in it. So it tastes a little bit berry meats, uh, green juice meats. Uh, I don't know, something horrible. <laughs> After you drink it, you feel great. So it's, uh, I wouldn't suggest it if you're looking for taste, but uh, if you're looking for performance, it's pretty good. It's for the brave, obviously. Yeah, I'm all into taste, so that's not going to work. But it sounds fascinating, and bravo to your wife for caring and doing that for you. I'm posting a tweet heard on SAP Radio, Sean Robertson discussing foods and berries that boost brain power. There you go. Now everybody knows. Okay, yes, we can walk and talk, chew gum, drink, and tweet at the same time. Kirsten Boylo, what are you drinking in sunny Canada this morning? I just have to say that, Sean, I would love to have that drink because I need some boost in brain power these days, I tell you. Um, I am uh, drinking currently water, but uh, as soon as the show is done, I'm heading downstairs to Tim Hortons and getting an Earl Grey tea to go. Oh, nice. What do you like about Earl Grey? Do you get the kind of Earl Grey that has, I think, a little note of, what do they put in it? Uh, I want to say lavender, bergamot. Yeah. Is that what they, the, the flavor that they have? Yeah, yeah. So it's bergamot, and um, I think there's um, beep. Oh, what's the? I forget what the other one is, but mostly bergamot. Yeah. Very nice. Do you put anything in the tea, just so we know what powers you? Do you put any uh, sweetener or any anything else, or just straight, straight just up? Milk. Just milk. Just milk. Okay. Now we know more about you. Thank you very much. Guess what? I'm going to give all of you a chance to take a sip of whatever's in front of you or dream about what you're drinking later. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and you're listening to Social Selling 101, your social selling program, training and enablement. This is important to everybody who's listening. Very doubtful that your company has an up and running, very robust social selling program already. Even if you think you do, you're going to pick up some great tips tricks, hints, techniques, strategies from our three experts today. We have Gabe Villamizar, who is with HireVue, H-I-R-E, Cap V-U-E, Sean Robertson at SAP, and Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. We're going to take a quick break, oh, about 65 seconds. You can count them as I will, and we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to social selling with Game Changers. Here we are. We do have three very interesting and very savvy game changers talking about social selling today. We have Gabe Via Mizar, we have Sean Robertson, and Kirsten Boyleau. And Gabe has graciously agreed to open the roundtable with me. Gabe, let me read a little bit from your notes, and then we'll have you run with it. And then, of course, we'll invite mm-hmm. Sean and Kirsten to chime in and comment. You say, it's important to get buy-in on social selling from your executive and leadership team. And let me add a little more. Create a detailed strategy and timeline. That's a new word for me in in relationship to setting up a program for your social selling program and implementation. Set clear objectives, expectations, and KPIs that marketing and sales can agree to. I'm going to stop there. This sounds like a how-to, a a great primer or primer, however you pronounce it, on how to do it. Gabe, why don't you expand this for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. So early on, as I uh, came on as a social selling trainer and coach, uh, I realized that the executive team needs to really understand what social selling is. They, by now, they should already know what it is. They've probably read an article, uh, either you know, online somewhere. But at the end of the day, if the executive team, meaning the CEO, uh, VP of sales, all these executive leaders, if they don't know what your sales reps are doing on a day-to-day basis, and if they're not doing what they expect them to be doing traditionally, um, then they're going to be wondering, what are my sales reps doing? What, what am I really paying them to do on a day-to-day basis? So having a clear expectations, right, and really showing them what social selling is and how it can improve uh, a rep's performance in terms of uh, productivity and closing deals, that's going to help them understand where, what you're going to be doing and what you're going to be rolling out in terms of social selling. So uh, like, like, you, like you read, you know, like you said, uh, create a detailed strategy and timeline. So what's that going to look like? What's, what are you going to be covering? What's the social selling trainer or coach going to be implementing uh, and with which team? You, I highly recommend that if you are going to roll out a certain strategy, don't start big very, very fast. Start with a small test group, uh, you know, a handful, either 5 to 10, 20, depending on the size of your organization, and test a good strategy and set a specific timeline Keep reporting to the executive team what's going on. So with that timeline in mind, you can, they can see what's happening or what will happen. But um, it's very crucial for them to get by. And otherwise, the VP of sales is going to be walking on the sales floor, and he's going to see all these sales reps on Twitter, all these sales reps on LinkedIn, and he's going to be mad, like, why aren't you guys calling? Why aren't you guys emailing? Um, and then they might get fired. But having that buying is going to make your – you know, your social training implementation and journey so much smoother because they're going to understand and have a clear vision of where the self-team is and where they can go. 
interesting. Gabe, is there a time frame for that timeline? What's reasonable? Is it based on how big your sales team is? Is it uh, how aggressive your sales goals are? Is Are we talking three months for training to build what we called in the beginning that social selling muscle? Mm-hmm. Three months, six months, a year? Is this something where you say, well, we're going to roll it out? We're going to ramp it up. We're going to get you all on those uh, those treadmills and get you walking and talking and walking and talking the social selling walk. And then we're going to have a refresher every nine months. Just give me a little right. more meat on what what's the timeline. I think it's really important for people to hear this. Absolutely. And that's a great observation and question. So thank you. I recommend doing a, creating a benchmark. So every organization uh, in different verticals, different industries have different knowledge and different buyers. So assessing the sales organization is going to be crucial for your social selling success because you have to understand what's the level of understanding of the sales reps. So either doing a survey, um, using Qualtrics, SurveyMonkey, or whatever, any other uh, survey tool or assessment where you can create a benchmark and say and display to the, to the executive uh, team, this is the level of understanding of our sales reps in terms of social listening, in terms of social engagement, in terms of social tool application and engagement, in terms of how much social media they're using in the sales process. So once you identify and assess, right, where the sales teams are in in terms of uh, knowledge and understanding of social selling, then that's when you kind of uh, create a plan and a timeline. I mean, people that say there's a specific prescription that works for every single organization, for every single sales team, they're wrong. I mean, how can you uh, how can you say that? How can you really just generalize the whole sales population? Well, in a way, you have to be very specific, and it has to be rolled out in trainings of 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to just stick in 30 minutes because sales are very ADD, and it's social selling has a lot of content, has a lot of uh, meat to it. Uh, so if you kind of cover too much content, then uh, it's going to go over their head. But just how we do it here at Hireview, we have about 76 uh, sales reps. When we, uh, as I came on board, what I did, I would just teach a principal in a given week for 30 minutes to an hour. And then the following week, I would reinforce it, kind of to make sure and assess their level of understanding. That whole process for my whole six social selling step process took us about three months. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Sean Robertson, love to get your feedback or just keep talking on this topic about setting up a training and implementation program for social selling. Go ahead, Sean. Do we have Sean? Sean, we can't hear you. Let's move to Kirsten while we try to get Sean back. Kirsten, yeah, thoughts I think on- I'm back. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, we were just talking about specifics of of setting up a selling pro, a social selling training program strategy timeline and and basically a curriculum with Gabe. I hope you were able to hear that, Sean. Any comments? Yeah, no, I was able to hear it. I think uh, very interesting view. I think in large companies uh, we saw something different. It was almost you, you need all three. You need sales, uh, you need marketing, but I would also say that there's there's a tools aspect to this. Um, because most of social selling, uh, to me, is just common sense, uh, and, and we'll get into that in maybe, uh, maybe my, one of my bullet points later, but it, it isn't necessarily new. What is new is the platform uh, that we're using to connect. 
So I think it starts off being uh, tool-led as an investment. Uh, the company first figures out of the different social platforms available, what would be the one that would make the most sense. I think that gets collaboration from uh, some, some geniuses in marketing that are, are ahead of the game. And, and really, if they are ahead of the game, then their real job is to make sure in the marketplace that whatever company you are stays hyper-competitive and stays either uh, one, you know, at least equal with your competition, if not a step ahead. And if your company, again, going back to the line and the gazelle, everyone matters and everyone has mm-hmm. a job and it's all important, if the sales side of the, the house respects the marketing's uh, kind of cutting-edge view of how we should be communicating, and the tools team uh, understands the proper investment that aligns to both of those organizations, then I think uh, you can you can start installing the program. And I think you can either go top-down, uh, you can go bottom-up, but I think when you go both, that's when it's that's when it's kind of perfect. Because again, I think that the toughest group to get is the middle. I think the top executives, they get it right away. Hey, for me to be competitive, I need to have a voice in the marketplace. So you're going to see rapid adoption there. I think you see rapid adoption on the sales team uh, that are closest to the customer because they're actually competing with people using these uh, techniques. So they know they have to do it or they fall behind. I think the, the big question mark in the entire industry is how do you get that 40 to 50% in the middle to really gravitate quickly and I think that's where the uh, kind of the things Gabe was talking about. I think those that's that's where that can really do its job. Uh, these these intense able, enablement sessions is in that middle layer uh, that I think is slowest to adopt. Thank you very much, Kirsten. Thoughts, please. Yeah, so I, I like what Gabe had to say in, in terms of you know it 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 is an intensive social selling is very intensive. Um, people don't seem to think it is. Uh, you know, they're like, well, it's just social. Everybody knows how to do social. But that's not the thing. The thing is that they don't understand that, you know, people need to have that good brand to fall back onto. They need to be able to um, showcase their subject matter expertise uh, with a good a good digital persona, whether that's on LinkedIn or Twitter or some other um, social platform. It doesn't necessarily matter what, which one it is. The same concept applies. You need to have that great brand to fall back onto, um, that people can go somewhere and learn more about you and learn what you have to say. Um, and then the concept of listening, you know, like Sean said, the, the the, the actual concepts are not necessarily new, but how you do them in the social platforms is new. Um, how do you, you know, listen to what the customer has to say? How do you uh, engage in the conversation on the social platforms? And how do you actually collaborate with your customers once you have, you know, started uh, talking to them um, in the social and in, in different social media platforms? And so I think that there, you have to kind of do a bit of both. Um, the introductory sessions can be, uh, you know, online and, and really short and quick and, and you know, give them a taste of what's to come. But I really still feel that um, if you don't take the time to, to really help them understand and give them that face, uh, face-to-face time but also that hands-on time um, where they can really get down and dirty with the, with the platforms and try them out in a very safe environment because a lot of people are afraid of actually, you know, breaking the Internet or something like that. And uh, they... they, they <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah well, I've heard that. You know, I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I send this out. Um, and, and, but if you give them that, that space, that safe environment to, you know, um, with a coach there to say, okay, this looks good, let's send this out and see what happens, see what kind of engagement you get. Um, Gabe is very right when it comes to coaching. It's, it's a really a key element of, of any social selling program. You need to have that kind of hand-holding um, uh, process in, incorporated into your program. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Gabe, I want to get you back in here. Any comments on yeah. what your co-panelists shared? Talk. Go. Yeah, so on, on what Sean was saying, I think we have to go even a step further back, not just uh, analyzing which tools we're going to implement. I think even before doing that, you have to analyze where is your buyer, um, which channels are your buyers on. After identifying and asking the sales reps and marketing team where the buyers, where do they think the buyer is, and analyze and deep dive um, where the buyer is. Let's say that you found them, that they're on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. Then you want to find a tool that's going to help you listen and engage and move the sales needle on those platforms. That's when you choose a tool. So keep the buyer in mind because right now the, the buyer might not be on Instagram. And I know this sounds very silly to some of you who are listening to this, but the buyer might be on Instagram next year. And mm-hmm. um, so always keep in mind, right, that you have that constant analysis of where the buyer is and then find a platform that's going to help you be the best you can be in every social selling aspect and find that tool and then coach on the rest. But, um, and then one quick question so we can clarify to the audience, what does the middle audience mean? Um, we, we, we mentioned that um, we, mm-hmm. you know, the millennials and the older generation, uh, meaning like the, or, or just people who have been in sales a lot longer than millennials, um, now, what, what, are, what are we referring to when we say the, the, the gap in between? Sean? Yeah, to me, this is, the, this is like the middle management layer. So if you look it, at, okay. you know, your, your directors, your, you know, your people that, that have been selling long enough uh, that they moved up one or two levels, kind of first-line leaders. Um, and, it, and okay. it's genu- yeah, it's generally because they've been successful doing whatever they were doing as a sales rep is what got them that position. So there's a little mm-hmm. bit of reticence to go to something different or something new because now they're doing something that they didn't know really got them their, their kind of first promotion. I, I don't think you have that problem at the CEO level or, you know, when you get to that, that area because they, they just kind of get it. They've been around long enough and they're going to stay competitive because they have to. Even if they didn't want to do it, I believe that they would they would do uh, social type uh, behavior. Uh, we're pretty lucky; we have some pretty progressive leaders. But uh, I think generally, if I just spoke as a company, you have to make sure that your your first line, second line leaders. I, I believe that's where that's where the struggle is genuine. Generally, uh, in speaking with other colleagues in the industry, that's where they've seen the uh, issue as well. Okay, so okay, that, that helps. That, that kind of clarifies that. Okay, so speaking to the whole organization as a whole, not just the sales reps who are actually in the trenches, social selling. Which one? Okay, got it. That, that, that clarifies that. Thanks. 
Thank you for asking, Gabe. I was going to ask mm-hmm. the same question. I appreciate your jumping in there. And, Sean, thanks for a great answer. And that's a perfect segue. Boy, we're full of good segues today, i got to tell you. Sean, <laughs> I'm ready to segue to some of the notes you sent me before the show. And I found something I don't think, and Kirsten can uh, agree or disagree in a minute, I don't think we've covered this at all or not much in all of the, this is our, I think, the 10th episode of her series, Social Selling with Game Changers. Let me just read this comment. Comment, Sean, and have you expand it for us. You say when you roll out a social selling program to a global sales force, you need to do some recognition for different regions and cultures. Kirsten, I don't think we've covered social selling yet, the nuance for different cultures, regions, people coming from different parts of the world and approaching their prospects. Kirsten, am I right? I, this is something- we may have touched on it slightly, but it's never been, certainly never been a topic of discussion. Well, let's put Sean Robertson in the hot seat. Sean, you're now in charge of talking about recognizing differences of regions and cultures when you roll out that program, or even let's back up when you design the program for a global sales force. What do you want to look for, Sean? What's your advice? Well, I think that if you look based on cultures or based on uh, market units, so we've kind of divided up in the world into kind of five general market units. But each one of those market units, the cultural behavior and which platforms they use, I think Gabe just talked about, you got to know where your buyer is and which platforms. I think from country to country, region to region, they might be in completely different places with social. And for instance, some uh, in some cultures, they feel that if you reach out to them uh, in a social way, that really you're either A, trying to target them uh, to, to headhunt, or B, that you're trying to get a job. They don't, even, they, they don't even recognize yet social, as we do here in the States, as just a medium for communication and business. So if you don't recognize that and you tried to build the exact same program you did in the U.S. Uh, where it's pretty recognizable, uh, these platforms, and you did it in a place where they may still be at the point where the only thing LinkedIn is for is maybe for a job search and maybe only 5% of the, the entire population is even aware of it, you have to think differently. And you have to be able to tailor your program because if you built your entire program on a tool that's making assumptions that every market unit is just like the U.S., for instance, if that's where you're working out of, uh, then you're going to be in trouble when you get into some of these, uh, you know, probably less advanced market units uh, technology-wise. Uh, that doesn't mean social can't be uh, effective there. It just means you have to recognize where they're at in their technology journey and kind of tailor the program accordingly. Thank you very much. Great insights. Kirsten, I know you want to say something on this. What do you observe? Agree dis- or disagree with Sean? No, I would say I definitely agree with Sean. Um, you know, tailoring that program to to match the um, the nuances of the culture is, is really critical because otherwise, when you get there, you're you're facing a whole lot of backlash, or they just shut down and say this doesn't isn't relevant for me. Um, so because it just doesn't work in our um, region, so you have to uh, really tailor your, your talk track to to make sure that you speak to the things that are relevant to to essentially it's like um, 
you're building a social selling program uh, or you're doing social selling yourself. You know, when, you, when you're speaking to your audience, you need to make sure that it's engaging, that it's educational and it's relevant for them. Um, the same thing goes for, uh, you know, as a social seller, that you want to do the same thing. When you're talking to people about social selling, you have to make sure that it's, it's very relevant for them. And it could be the platform that they're using to engage. It could be the way that they engage. Uh, you know, in, in North America, we tend to be a little bit uh, direct. Um, with you know how we how we talk to people and in different cultures that that would come across as very rude and so you need to uh, tailor the message or help them tailor the message that they send across on social um, to be uh, you know cognizant of the um, the cultural differences and, and what's going to make sense um, the the undertones make a big difference when you're um, and kind of reading between the lines as well uh, makes a big difference when you're interacting in social. Kirsten, we used to call this uh, something about etiquette, and the etiquette was simply, and Sean will know this, Gabe, you might be a little young for this, but there are people who specialize in this training. How do you shake the hand of someone from another country, another culture, another religion, another background, another uh, generation? How do you speak to them? How do you address them? And it was considered international etiquette if you were having a dinner of sales, people you wanted to sell to, or just people you were meeting socially. How do you respect them in their own culture. So it sounds to me, Kirsten and Sean, and I want to get Gabe's uh, point of view on this as well, it sounds like we're saying social has to embrace the same acknowledgement of cultural social differences and meet people on their own ground with respect. Is that a, cor- a correct statement, uh, Kirsten? Oh, I, I don't think you could have said it better. And, oh, uh, really? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it truly is. It's etiquette. And I think sometimes... You know, to expand on that, I think sometimes when we get on these uh, platforms or electronic platforms, we tend to lose somehow uh, that, I don't know a better word for it, but that feeling of intimacy that you have uh, in a face-to-face situation where you, you can read their eyes and you can read how they're reacting. When you don't have that, I think you have to be uh, even more aware of what you're saying and how you're saying it and who you're saying it to, uh, because you can't read them, uh, mm-hmm. in the same way. So you have to almost think ahead, be very sensitive to, to who they are and how they might interpret what you're saying before you send it. And I think that's the, the kind of heart. It goes back to exactly what you said. It's, it's really just communication etiquette. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you like that. I was just, it was just coming out of the top of my head there. Gabe, we need to hear what you have to say. What do you, how do you encounter this in your training? How do you deal with it? Yeah, so we just started to uh, grow on a global scale. So we just opened up our London office uh, a year ago, and, uh, and I haven't had as much experience yet and, and, to like, and have had a lot of results. In. But um, I can agree with what you guys are saying. I mean, from, I'm originally from Venezuela been in the States for about 10 years. So, I mean, just thinking from a product standpoint, I remember that um, the Oreo in Venezuela, right, is mm-hmm. different color and it tastes different than the Oreo here in the United States. And it's awesome how a product can do that. And it's because they did their research, they understood the buyer, they understood the culture of the buyer, the customs, you know, all, all these other different important little clues to make the Oreo be successful in different countries, such as Venezuela. So I would say the same thing applies 
through social selling. It, it might be a product or a service, um, but really it's going to be tailored to the buyer so that way it could be as seamless as, as it possibly can. Um, so those are my two cents on that. Well, uh, we have to know, what does it taste like? What does it look like? Does it have the, the stuff in the middle that you want to open the double cookie and lick the stuff out of the middle? Come on, Gabe, give us a little color here. Okay, yeah, let me give you a better visual. So it, 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 it is lighter in color. It's not as dark. So here um, in the United States, uh, it's, it's darker. It's like a very good, like a dark chocolate-looking cookie. In Venezuela, it's, it's lighter. Uh, um, apparently, that appealed more to the Venezuelan culture population. Um, and it tastes not as rich, like the, the cream part in the middle doesn't taste as rich as it does here uh, in the United States. So if you can picture it lighter and not as uh, rich in flavor, I think you got it. Wow, very interesting. I like my Oreos just the way they are, but thank you very much. <laughs> By the way, do you drink milk with your Oreos, or is it you dip them in yeah, coffee? Yeah, yeah, What's we drink milk. We're, 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 oh. yeah, we're not that weird. I mean, we still drink milk, so... I knew I liked you. <laughs> I've got three kinds of milk in my fridge right now. That's the way Dad brought me up. Okay, let's move on. We have a couple of minutes before we go. We're having too much fun, Kirsten. A couple of minutes before we go into our crystal ball predictions round. But, Kirsten, uh, let's see. What would you like to talk about? I'm just going to quickly skim your talking points and see here. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, let's talk about some of the different variations. Uh, delivery of social selling content can be done in many ways. E-learning, virtual sessions, webinars, or in-person. Do you have a favorite combination, Kirsten? And we were talking earlier with Gabe about training different groups, different uh, demographic groups. What works best, or is it a one-size-fits-all, Kirsten? How do you decide? It really depends on... Um, well, one of the big things is depends on the region. Uh, you know, who's willing to invest, um, you know, a full day of, of training, who's willing to invest only an hour a week. Um, you you kind of need to figure that out at the beginning with, with that management team, um, getting that buy-in from them as to what kind of commitment they're willing to make for their team uh, to, to set that up. I like to use the e-learning sessions and the kind of virtual live classroom type sessions as um, as a primer or a um, an introduction to the topic. Uh, I really don't feel that um, one of the big things that with education and training around social selling is that it's change management. I don't know if we've talked about that just yet. We haven't. We haven't. Please do. Please go ahead. Yeah, so, so change management is really hard to do. You're, you're asking people to change the way they do business. Uh, and, and to Sean's point a few, a little while ago, you know, when, when people have been successful doing what they're doing, they're a little reluctant to actually make those changes. And so, um, I really feel that, you know, the, those e-learning sessions, the virtual sessions, they're, they're great for a, uh, um, an introduction, kind of a baseline to, to, what you're going to cover in the face-to-face workshop, but the the face-to-face workshop and then afterwards is where you get, you see the change management happen. You see the changes in the way that they um, they actually interact with their customers or search, do prospect listing or anything like that, um, listening to what their customers have to say or finding that right person to talk to. Uh, their eyes light up and they're like, I had no idea I could do this. And that, to me, those are the most rewarding things that can happen. Um, and you can get some of that in a virtual session, but they often, you know, in a virtual session, they have no, no, no real skin in the game. They haven't, you know, invested a whole lot of time. They haven't invested other than, you know, 
uh, listening to somebody talk for, for 50 minutes, and they can go away and go back to way, the, the way that they've been doing things. When you, you know, have them invest a, a good amount of time in in-person sessions and then following up with, uh, as Gabe mentioned, those coaching sessions are really, really important to, to keep the momentum uh, going on how they're actually implementing it, talking, you know, telling them success stories that are happening within their teams and um, coaching them along the next steps. I mean, some people may only be able to take that very first step in actually making changes to, say, their LinkedIn profile. And then, you know, a couple of weeks down the road, they're like, okay, now I feel like I've got that under control. I can take the next step. What's, you know, I know I have to do listening. Can you help me set up some Twitter lists? Um, mm-hmm. And then the next step is, you know, how do you get them set up for for actually engaging in that conversation, liking, commenting, um, sharing their own, you know, some some third party content, that kind of thing, um, coaching them along those pieces, and and letting them um, experience it for themselves, and then. I think beyond the actual coaching, you also have to have um, some sort of give them some sort of uh, incentive to actually make this part of their day, um, mm-hmm. build it into what they have to do on an everyday basis, and help them uh, achieve that. And that's how you get the change management to happen. You know, how, that's how you actually make them change their behaviors. And that's called the. Uh Make my day. Yes, we know who that is. Okay. Guess what? We are just about out of time. I've got three and a half minutes. I'm going to divide it into, instead of saying a minute for predictions each, I'm just going to say, give me three sentences of predictions. They can be long sentences if you like. Let's start with Gabe via Mizar. Gabe, look into the crystal ball. I know you polished it off before the show. What's going to change about social selling, training, and enablement? I'm just going to give you the year 2020. Let's be forward four and a half years or so. I know you're very young. I don't know if you can see that far in the future, but Gabe, talk to me quickly. Three sentences, the top three changes that will happen to social selling training and enablement. Go. Yeah, so it it amazes people when I tell them that what I do at HireVue is I'm I'm the social selling director. They're like, wait, you're what? You you just teach social selling all day, every day. And that right now, as I've been going to conferences, uh, you know, this fall, it, it really like gets like an aha or like shocks people's mind and you can tell by their facial reactions, but I think it's going to become more um, of a common position um, where somebody specifically, uh, it's going to be rolled out more uh, to the whole organization. It's not going to be a few companies. The whole social Mm -hmm. selling training concept is going to be fully adopted by every organization, whether it's in self-enablement or the self-training or somebody. It's not going to be uh, like email, right? When email first came out, uh, people are like, you, you told somebody who didn't believe in email, like, yeah, everybody in the world's going to have an email address. They're like, wait, what? The whole writing, on, you know, on a piece of paper is not going to be as common. Uh, well, and then those naysayers now everybody has multiple email addresses. So the same thing's going to happen with social selling. Everybody's going to adopt it. It's going to be well known, and it's just going to be called selling. I know other people in the there maybe have said that. Thank you, Gabe. I have to give three sentences. Sean, we're really tight on time. Three sentences, top three predictions. Sean Robertson, go. Yeah, selling, uh, social selling will be old hat. Something innovative will happen that we haven't even thought of. And for all we know, it'll be called telepathic, uh, telepathic (laughs) selling by then. Or neurotropic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was brief. got to take 30 seconds for laughter you know when you're on stage and you tell a good something you got to give the audience a chance to respond and we just did kirsten boylo three sentences predictions go 
I think social selling will be part of the overall enablement for uh, for a sales rep. Um, it will become just part of what they do, and it will be actually incorporated into all of the different stages of the sales cycle instead of just being kind of this add-on activity. We really don't want it to be an add-on activity because the last thing that reps want to do is have um, something else to do in their day. Um, so that's where I think social selling is going to go, really be incorporated into everything else, um, and it really will empower the reps. Thank you very much. What a great panel. We have Gabe Villamizar. I think I did it right the whole show, Gabe. I tried. Sean <laughs> Robertson and oh, Kirsten Boyle. Thank you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Justin, our engineer, for getting us on the air and keeping us here. Good. Kirsten, we covered a lot of territory today, and I know you have two more episodes left to season one, and you are renewing for 2016 for season two. Can't wait for that. Here's my call to action, everyone. Oh, you know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt already. What are you waiting for? Go out. Well, I don't know if you're in a driverless car. You might need two seatbelts. Go out and be a game changer today. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. And uh, what do we got tomorrow? It's Wednesday. Coffee break with Game Changers at 11 a.m. Eastern. And at 2 p.m. Eastern, we're back with Game Changing HR Leaders. And Thursday, we have Internet of Things with Game Changers. Signing off for now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.